Hi, babes. Welcome to another episode of QBT, a podcast where two queer babes talk about mental health, pop culture, and whatever the hell else we want. This week, we continue our theme around fears, phobias, and horror. I am a Megan the Stallion and Popeye's hottie sauce, licensed social worker, and therapist practicing in Austin, Texas. Maddie Germs. And I'm Shawnee, a former New York City-based therapist turned media and arts entertainment... Wait, what? <laughs> I don't know what I am. Um, a former New York City-based therapist turned media and entertainment badass based in Portland, Oregon. Who's taking down his hair right now? <laughs> we might be therapists. We're not your therapist. So. Okay. Okay. Trying to talk slick all up in my ear and shit. <laughs> all right. Welcome back to another episode of QBT, my dear Maddie. How are you doing? Good. Just us. Just us girls. Just us just, girls. Just us two in here. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> gosh. I, just, <laughs> I don't know what that was. It was like a weird Jennifer Coolidge like variant. Um, Maybe. Speaking of which, I was watching SNL from last night, and it was a pretty <laughs> solid episode. Just like that was a pretty solid opening of a can. Yes. Um, who hosted? Um, oh, my God. Uh, Rami Malek. Handsome. That's because of Bond. Um, yes. And Daniel Craig was there as well. Rami Malek could get it, but he also looks really short. Well, that's a conundrum, isn't it? Yeah. You know what else feels short? That's my slut slut. You know what else feels short this week? <laughs> Your dick. <laughs> Never. <laughs> what? Never that, girl. Um, Never that, that. Never that. Never that. Um, that Brittany Murphy documentary. Oh, yeah. Okay. I have so many thoughts about I this. I thought there were going to be like five first. episodes. I like started it and was like, all right, mm-hmm. I'm like buckled in. And then at the end of episode two, it was like over. And I was like, yeah. wait, that that's it? That's we it? We didn't explore anything that I didn't already know. Well, that's the thing is, okay. Was there some things that I learned from it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Was there some really beautiful kind of footage of Britney? Yes. Did I learn anything like new, I don't know. There was a timeline maybe that I learned and, mm. but it was honestly a lot of YouTube clips of people talking about this stuff. Um, and the reason that it doesn't have a lot of information is because they don't know anything. So it's like a documentary about not knowing anything, just kind of like randomly, sorry, randomly like 14 years later or however long the fuck, just being like, you guys remember that was weird, right? Like, do you guys know that that was so weird? Like, I don't know. It just made me sad. And I also am going to have such giant, huge suspicions about intention when you have Perez fucking Hilton on your podcast or on Mm -hmm. your documentary series. Well, anywhere, honestly. (laughs) Very that. Like, even (laughs) if that person is naming, like, I did so wrong and like, whatever, you don't give a redemptive arc to someone who made her death a game. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just so, Perez Hilton is so fucking disgusting. Yeah, and Zillia Banks kept, was right to call him a faggot. Yeah, and I kept thinking, like, what's going on with Perez Hilton these days? Like, I feel like he's showing up too willingly to these documentaries to be like... Because he's like a reformed know. dad. Like, Yeah, sure. I feel like he's trying to get a documentary made about himself. I absolutely. I wouldn't be surprised if in the next two years it's like oh, Perez no. Hilton in like the early 2000s or something. 
Is he going to have like some... No, I hope not. I hope not. The internet has been very mean to him for a long time. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I I think that for those that aren't going to watch the Britney Murphy doc, it essentially just outlines like her relationship to this man, her husband, who has a history of lying, who has a history of manipulating women, who has a history of XYZ, being weird with her money right after he died, not wanting an autopsy, having a weird relationship with uh, Britney Murphy's mother, and then also dying like within months of the exact same thing that she did. So I, I don't think it's the FBI, which has been like a big like internet conspiracy thing for a long time is that Britney Murphy and her husband were killed. They were like ordered to be dead. I don't think so. I think she was sick. I think she wasn't eating. And then I think he didn't allow her to go to the hospital or to the doctor. And also she was probably embarrassed too, because stepping out of her house always got some sort of fucking attention and they were just popping pills. And like, it's so sad. It's it's like the same, the same pneumonia. Yes. It's random. Yeah. I also, I wonder if it's like mold in the house or something, but it could be that as well. But then the mom was there as well, and she was fine. Well, she said she had, like, a tickle in her throat. But I mean, all of that better. stuff is just, like, all those people being overly medicated. And, like, I also just find it weird when people in her life are talking about her and crying and being like, I wish I could have done something. Like, I don't know who that serves. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Brittany Murphy definitely, I did not feel, was served with this documentary. Am I going to be that upset about it? No, because she's dead, so she can't be upset about it. You know what I mean? But like, <laughs> it, is it a little distasteful? I think a little bit. It wants to honor her, and I'm also questioning its existence to begin with. You know what I mean? Yeah, I just, I don't understand, yeah, what the purpose of it was. It doesn't feel like it, it added much to the conversation, you know? And it also felt like one of those things where, what's going on with Britney Spears, and then... Right with um just where true crime documentaries are these days they were like right. oh this is like our time to hop on this right like, there's not going to be another time to talk about the britney murphy death i watched it and i ate it up and i cried and it was sad and i'm also like i i don't get it but do you know what else i don't understand the purpose of i don't know if i understand the purpose of you season three <laughs> okay you is and not you maddie but like the show you you is <laughs> you, you is, is dumb <laughs> <laughs> you is unimportant <laughs> um no that show is and you're mean is great i love it i think that because it is so tacky and bad like yeah. in a campy way but also in like such a serious lifetime way that yeah. i don't know it just it works granted i'm only two episodes into season three which i feel like is just my ongoing theme on this podcast like have you watched this and i'm like no i'm two episodes in though that's always i mean that's enough i think honestly our (laughs) listeners probably appreciate that because like it then prevents me from going full into what happens at the end you know i'm also at like episode six or seven i mean i'm watching it i was talking with my brother about this i'm like i'm gonna watch it i'm still watching it just Um, listening around the baby the baby yeah it just i I feel like Dexter was better. At oh, this yeah, point, absolutely. At, I feel like Santa Clarita Diet was better. Oh. You know? Okay. Like, you have thoughts. I just, I I thought you season one and two had at least something, like, original about it. I don't know what's original about this. It's literally just, like, Gone Girl smashed together with... Um, like all of the movies and shows about like what if suburbanites were murderers like i'm like okay like okay sure they are 
Yeah, well, <laughs> well, um, no, I mean, it's not terrible and I'm going to watch all of it. I just think the other thing that pissed me off is that love to me is acting like weird. Like, I mean, I know she went through a lot, but it feels like the personality is completely different and not in like a trauma way. It's like in a, right. We need her to be this because this is what we wrote for her this season. You know what gotcha. I mean? And they're not tying it together with like postpartum depression. Which not really. also always feel like a cop out in these sort of situations. Right. Not that I know anything about it, but it just always feels that way. You know enough. And yeah. I mean, I also like, I feel annoyed talking about Netflix because of everything going on with like Dave Chappelle. I mean, fuck Dave Chappelle. And then also fuck Netflix specifically for firing the only trans people. They fired the only black out trans person at Netflix during all <gasps> of this, um, who was trying to, um, potentially organize a walkout and then that was found out and then they were fired. Other people who came in uh, to a meeting to speak with executives to tell them that like this is not okay. You can't be putting shit up in June. Have a literal documentary called Disclosure about the dangers of what it means when media portrays trans people dangerously and then put out shit from Dave Chappelle being like I'm a fucking turf I don't really care what anyone said blah 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 you know what I mean like it's just like it's unfunny and I just don't understand at this point what the critique of cancel culture is if all of these people who were supposed to be canceled keep fucking talking I don't even know what happened (laughs) (laughs) I'm just I'm just over here taking down my hair just braiding (laughs) I'm just like I learned Um, something today Okay, I'm sorry. Um, also, we I don't really want to talk about this, but I do, in case you missed the NPR tweet about Jesse Nelson <laughs> and Nicki Minaj. Okay, this shit is, first of all, does it, do, do, listeners, do you remember who Jesse Nelson is? Because <laughs> no one I does. barely do. <laughs> there was also a video going around at the same day when all of this was happening of one of the Maori sisters. I don't know which one. Um, Why? <laughs> because I don't know which one. Uh, being like filmed and there's, she's playing like one of those uh, games. Like uh, it's like an Instagram filter where the thing goes and stops on something. Sure. And it's like Beyonce and Ariana, whatever. And then one of the names is Jesse Nelson. <laughs> she goes, she said, who is that? <laughs> and that was a funny thing that like went around that day. Is that I mean, why you're wearing this Kiki aside, Palmer just, shirt right now? What? Is that why you're wearing this Kiki Palmer shirt right now? Sorry, sorry. To, this, sorry to this girl. I don't know who, <laughs> no, who she is. Jesse Nelson is. But I could not says, get over it. When this song came out, I said, who the fuck is Jesse Nelson? It is bothering me. She's <sighs> the girl from Lil Mix who said, I got to get out of here for my mental health and then decided to put on <laughs> some questionable wigs and team up with Nicki Minaj. Um, but this NPR tweet says, blackfishing aside, there's a reason Jesse Nelson isn't a household name, our critic writes. With toothless lyrics and vocals reminiscent of a bad Camilla Cabello impression, she commits the cardinal solo sin, being boring. Wow. Brutal for fucking NPR. NPR. That sounds like a fucking pop sugar tweet. Like, what the fuck is that? NPR has been, like, going for people's jugulars lately. I mean, you gotta They know that we respect them and love them. (laughs) I mean, the funniest part about it is when they deleted it and then retweeted well they didn't retweet it they just like put the link and were like we had to delete our previous tweet because we misspelled camilla cabello's name so like (laughs) 
<laughs> it's just like damn double homicide like very very bad very bad <laughs> Camilla Cabello is at home with Shawn Mendes like god damn it god damn it <laughs> we were we just got out of the news with your fucking it's giving share and now we're now we're back what the heck um guess who else is back um it's Sydney Prescott <laughs> 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 Nev Campbell, is that you? <laughs> Miss Nev Campbell. She said, I'm Sydney Prescott. Of course I have a gun, Dewey. Um <laughs> so this good. trailer's good. I'm sold. I, I'm excited. Like I've been I'm, excited. I'll be and this yeah, the trailer coming out. We are talking about the Scream Season 5 trailer. If you'd like, pause the podcast and watch that two-minute, 15-minute uh mm-mm, yeah, two minute and yeah. fifteen second trailer. Um are you a scream? person in i am i actually am scream is one of those films that um i feel like is a horror movie but like i don't think i ever really took it in as a horror movie <clears throat> even as like a kid i am just a mess over here um it for me has always not been a comedy but a critique on pop culture yeah and absolutely i mean some of parts of scream are absolutely a comedy i mean um I don't know. I like the drama of it all. I just, I, I feel like screen movies are comforting. You know, they're like, they're like a warm hug or something. It's just like, you know what you're getting. And I feel like what I really want from that series is for Nev Campbell and Courtney to kiss. I want them to kiss. Oh, I think maybe that's what the takeaway from this whole thing is. That they should kiss? That they should be in a relationship. I mean, if I walk out of Scream 5 and they're holding hands, I'm... (laughs) Honestly, ticket earned ticket yeah earned. yeah <laughs> did you see halloween kills yet i did not but you know what did what's her face die whomst jamie lee curtis mm, you're gonna have to find that one out for yourself wow um, okay i i will say it's getting a lot of shit and i kind of understand why it's like in some ways not good i watched it probably like three hours ago because you can watch it on peacock I would I recommend seeing Halloween Kills. I there's I really like that there's elements of the original specifically. I think I like the 2018 movie too. I like that swivel little thing she has on the counter. This literally picks up seconds after the oh. other one ends. So it's not like it's literally just like what how that movie ends. They get in that pickup truck. This movie literally starts with her like holding her knife wound in the pickup truck. Um nice. I don't know. I think, is it maybe too reverent of Halloween? Maybe, but I think it takes itself not seriously enough. The where it gets wrong is it tries to be self-righteous about mob mentality stuff that I think it just doesn't fit in that. Basically, the town gets like pitchforks and guns and is like, we're all going to fucking kill Michael Myers. Like, that's what the movie is kind of about. The problem with it is every like fifth person says evil dies tonight. And it's like, okay. okay. I mean, wow. <laughs> did you really need to do that? I think we also get it. it's not going to. Yeah, for real. Um, stream Shamir's gay agenda. Uh, we talk about music a bit next week, but I just want to throw that out there. Cause it's uh, a really cute song. Do you want to take a quick break and then get into the work? Just talk about fear and phobias. Yeah, Yeah, let's get into it. (laughs) I don't know why we're being sexual about that. Let's slip into something uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) 
actually, yeah. Actually, actually yeah. 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 Actually, yeah. Actually, actually yeah. I think, yeah. 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 Uh, well, welcome back to QBT. We are doing the work. Um, Shawnee is continuing to cut out his hair. <laughs> um, and so if you hear a scissor snip, it's uh, that's it's what just we're my hair doing. Coming so just, down. Yeah. It's just, she's just letting her hair get, getting into something more comfortable. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what is going on today? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so we are coming in, continuing our conversation around fear and phobias and horror. We've spent a lot of time on horror because, one, it's fucking fun. I feel like there's so much to talk about. Next week, we have the, a wonderful, wonderful interview with um, Monstrous Film Films. Um, and this week, I think we kind of wanted to focus a little bit more on the fear aspect. So moving outside of the genre of horror completely, um, or I guess not completely because it comes into play, but... What is fear? How do we work with it? How does it come up in therapy? How do we face those fears, et cetera, et cetera? These are the questions we're asking ourselves. Right, Johnny? Mm, these are the questions that we're asking ourselves. And I think a good place to start is what is fear? And how is it different from a phobia? Okay. And also, how is it different from anxiety, right? So mm. I think I think fear, when we think about fear, to me, the biggest thing that comes up is like the physical aspect of fear. It's that quickening heart rate, maybe sweating, like darty eyes. Like, um, the, it's a feeling that your body is giving you of unsafety, right? Um, I think when we're thinking about, I'm afraid of X, some people are are going to be like, I'm afraid of spiders. I'm afraid of dying. I'm afraid of heights, whatever. That comes up a lot. Um, And then when we're thinking about phobias, that is really, I think, where the concept alone almost is what like can take you to that. You don't even have to have a spider in front of you to have like arachnophobia, which is like you could mention a spider or like the idea of it is horrifying enough to send me into something close to a panic attack. So like, um all things i'm sure that word gets thrown around a little bit more than maybe its actual meaning but i think it's like when a fear gets in the way of you living your life that's where we're like moving more into like phobia territory and i think the difference between fear and anxiety is really um well in some ways there isn't a difference right like it is so much tied up in the same thing um i feel like I don't know. What do you think? I was going to say, maybe it has something to do with the, the, um, the perceived idea of a threat. Right. Okay. You know, like I think that, well, and maybe that's where they're more alike than they are different, but the perceived idea of a threat, I feel like you can, we have fight or flight, you know, you're going to respond in one of two ways. Does fight or flight inherently mean that you're afraid of the thing or does it just mean that the thing causes you a threat, right? And I think that anxiety, when we talk about anxiety a lot of times, it has to do with this fight or flight response to something that could be a threat to you, whether it's physically or like emotionally or mentally. Um, I don't think that there is a difference. I feel like it's one of those things where not all fears are anxiety, but all anxiety, but all anxiety is a fear. Absolutely. That's yeah. fair. And I think maybe another way too to think about it is like anxiety is like the everyday manifestation and sometimes a jump from the fear to like, um, I'm trying to give an example. Okay. I'm afraid, I'm afraid of failure. So the way that that manifests in terms of my anxiety is like, 
constantly checking uh, an email like three times for spelling errors. Mm-hmm. It, like it's like that perfectionism. So like it it becomes a jump from the fear to these everyday behaviors that interfere with our life. Whereas all anxieties are fear in that they're rooted in something. And I think that that's something that therapy can help us with, right? Is like when you go to therapy for an issue, whatever that issue is, or you just go because you're like, there's lots of things in my life that are wild and I need some help. And I think a lot of that time, sometimes some of the greatest insight is a therapist helping you recognize what are you afraid of? Like, what are you so afraid of Mm. in terms of your safety, in terms of all of these things that are so fucking necessary to human nature, right? Like we have to feel safe in order to concentrate on living because even if we want to trick ourselves out of it, we are biologically designed to act and crave and move towards safety, however we perceive that. Definitely. I can see, I can definitely see what you're talking about in terms of a fear of rejection or a fear of, I don't know, there being an um, an underlying fear attached to anxiety that therapy is sort of there to help you realize and overcome. Like I know for me, for instance, like personal example, mm-hmm. <clears throat> a lot of anxiety around the world of work can be traced back to a fear of um, a fear of like letting down like those in my family or those that I feel like I'm supposed to be making proud. Right. Um, Sometimes an anxiety around like dating and relationships can be that fear of like rejection or a fear of abandonment. Right. Like that's the truly, that's the, that's the underlying thing attached to all these negative sort of, anxious moments that you have when you start thinking about those things. Yeah. Like this fear of not being loved or this fear of rejection or this fear of um, not being good enough can make us socially anxious people. Because when we're entering into a room full of new faces, all of those fears become a threat in every single person who's perceiving us. (laughs) Right. And like, and so some of the work of, Therapy and working through some of that social anxiety can be like, one, what is your shame? Like, what Mm -hmm. are you holding so much shame around that you are terrified someone might find it out? And like the way that that's manifesting in your everyday life is that you get nervous in the grocery store. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. that is, if we do a lot of work on what are we afraid of people finding out? Are we, what are we afraid people will draw the line and stop loving us. Like if we do work there, that other stuff becomes easier because our body isn't as reactive to these things that are not threats in actuality. There are things that are absolutely deserving of being afraid of. Like, um, I don't know. I mean, home invasion. Like, I don't know. I'm like, like, I'm just saying that like, um, Some of the work in therapy to get over fear or to um, move through fear or to try and figure out ways to deal with it, you know, some things we should be afraid of. Sometimes people are dangerous. You know, if you have an ex that you are afraid of, I think trying to go to therapy to not be afraid of that person isn't exactly the thing that makes the most sense. What you can 
try and do is not be afraid when that person isn't around you or uh, has anything to do with you, right? Yeah, like because then that becomes enough like with Jennifer Lopez. Enough, enough. <laughs> what a great movie, right? Do you think they're gonna remake it? Oh, absolutely! It's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. I give it. I give it five more years. Max. Oh my, this has nothing to do with anything. But I saw this video of Katy Perry singing "Harley's in Hawaii" in a bathroom, and I don't know what that was, <laughs> but it reminded me of when she was at the Met Gala dressed as a cheeseburger. And there's this video of her getting into the cheeseburger, and J Lo comes out of the stall, and it's like. <laughs> Just repulsed. Like, you can just tell she's like, this is the most classless thing I've ever been unintentionally a part of. Anyway. I wish I could see that. Please send me that picture. That okay. meme, that tweet, okay. whatever it is. Um, well, I mean, what are some fears that you've worked on in therapy? No, or- I'm fearless. Okay. Jasmine Sullivan. Okay. So where do we go now? No, let me stop. Um, <laughs> so, what now? <laughs> what now? Um, uh, I mean, I brought up one, um, but also a fear of rejection, absolutely. Um, especially when it comes to dating and relationships. I feel like um, a fear of like dying alone. Is mm. one that I feel like a lot of people have actually. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I fear of my own worthy unworthiness. <gasps> you wrote that down here. I don't have that though. Yeah, I mean, when I was just brainstorming fears, I was thinking about what are some things that uh, sit underneath some of my stuff, and like, there's absolutely an unworthiness thing for me in some of my behaviors because I'm like, um, I mean, we've talked about this in a lot of ways, but you know when the way that I grew up, there was only a certain way to, to be, and there was only one good way to be. And that was godly. And so if you were ungodly, then you were unworthy of family love. You're unworthy of your social network, which was all church. And my school was my church. Like all of these things are tied up in worthiness that when you abandon that and leave that and spend your whole time kind of like questioning what, your desires are or whatever. When you go out into the real world, you don't know how you find your worth. Exactly. I didn't, this is mine. I I feel like I spent some time like trying to define and figure out what my worth was because I didn't have a, a standard or a rule or something or a history of being worthy. So it then had to become this journey of like, finding worth within myself, which is like, you know, I mean, very self-help book or something, but I think it was real. Like for me, it was real that I had to realize that when I felt someone pulling away from me, I would go in a spiral, especially when I was dating, because it would make me feel unworthy. When it maybe had nothing to do with that. You know, maybe we just like didn't fuck good or something. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it doesn't matter. Like, I just think that like, there was all this stuff in my life that little things would become much, much bigger in my head. A breakup sent me in a place. And it was because I had this fear of not being worthy of being loved. And like, Mm. 
having to really sit with that and do that work in therapy makes casual rejection or an annoying email from someone you respect, like not the biggest deals in the world, you know? Yeah. What does that work look like? Um, you know, I feel like yeah. I'm very used to, and I, we'll get into phobias, I guess, in a second. But like yeah. the, the work I'm used to seeing with phobic pe- folks and people that like have phobias um, is around like flooding and or like, you know, gradual introduction of XYZ thing that you're afraid mm-hmm. of into the environment. But what does it look like when it's not that intense? When it's like something that might just be like an underlying fear, something that is so sort of broad and vague Mm -hmm. that I'm sure it permeates like so many different areas of life. Whereas Mm -hmm. a phobia seems to be very, very, very like hyper-specific on one thing. Yeah. So I'm going to break that down in the ways that I've understood. I understood that question. The first thing when you're talking about flooding and then sort of uh, engaging with things in small ways and building up to it, that we're talking about exposure and response prevention, which is mm-hmm. a behavioral therapy from CBT. And flooding is when it's essentially a panic attack, soda, sort of. Like, I know you know this, Shawnee, but just like for those listening, it's like um, flooding is when there's um, you're reacting in a way where you cannot like focus on anything but that. That can be, it's like a panic attack. And then one of the things that we do within exposure and response prevention, because you're asking, how do we do that with something that isn't tangible, right? I'm not afraid of elevators. I have a fear of being unworthy. How do I slowly build mm-hmm. myself up to that? One thing that we're going to do in either of those scenarios is name and notice the fear. That is really just a huge part of it is like knowing, because a lot of people don't know what they're afraid of sometimes, like, or don't remember something happening. And even like when I was working at the clinic, for folks with OCD and some of them had phobias. Um, A lot of OCD is a phobia. There is um, some folks that just notice when they feel bad, but they don't know what's calling it or what's happening. And maybe it's a certain phone ringer is like what is making your body panic or it's the sight of something or a color or like whatever your brain has made mental associations with fear. So something that can be really powerful is naming that thing and noticing when it happens. So when it comes to my unworthiness, if I'm feeling myself shame spiral in that moment, naming like, this is about that fear that you talked about, sit with that and feel that for a moment. And then when we're thinking about exposure and response prevention too, it's like the more you do that, the more you sit with it and recognize that you're not going to die by feeling it over time, that feeling can become more tolerable. And a lot of food phobias and stuff where is we're seeking ways for our body and mind to hold tolerance to be able to handle it. We're not necessarily trying or aiming to rewire our brain completely to not be afraid of it. Cause that may not be a goal that is worth chasing. We might always be afraid of something. How do we live despite being afraid of it? And in regards there, sorry, there's, are they called a murder? A murder of crows? Yes. <laughs> yes. They are. I don't like this at all. Outside your of... window? Yeah, but they like live right here on this ledge. Like <laughs> I have a I have like a corner window and there's like a what do you call it when you sit in the thing? A bay. It's like a bay window. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, anyways, it's on the ledge 
right above it, the like roof comes over a bit. There's a murder of crows that is constantly there, but I just saw like three of them come at once and they made a bunch of noise and I was a little taken aback by it. Sorry, y'all. Um, I have a fear of birds. birds. Whoa, really? Kind of, yeah. I did not know this. <laughs> I don't like oh. birds being too close, like to the ground like they're in the what air is, what is it about birds i worked in a grocery store one time and there was a bird and it got inside and it was just a lot it was just a lot and then there's just something about them with those beaks and if they're going too fast it's just like well you could you could murder me also yeah. fabio at king's dominion which is the amusement park that was like 30 minutes from my house in high school <laughs> um Full on got hit by a bird on a roller coaster. It was like oh, this is like no. a true thing, and like oh, whoa, whoa. I know just like bloody and everything. And ever since then, I've been like, I don't fuck with birds, like yeah. especially low flying birds. Like it's okay if you're up there in the sky, but <laughs> you need to be near me. <laughs> Sorry, that's just they are chaotic for sure. <laughs> They're chaotic. That's what it yeah. is. I'm like, what is going on? Just fly straight. Yeah, they don't well, know something in relationship to what your previous question was asking about in terms of like exposure and response prevention or that form of intervention is about getting new data. So like mm-hmm. if we were to really work on, if you were to say this fear of birds is getting in the way of my life because there's a murder of crows outside my house and I am constantly afraid to leave so much so that I'm not leaving my house. Right. Yeah. That is a way that your fear is interfering with your life in a way that is negative that you don't want. So you go to therapy for it. What we might do is try and get interactions or noticing interactions with other birds and like, Oh, we didn't die. Oh, nothing bad happened. Literally. And so it's, we have to train our brain for and get more information because our brain says birds equals chaos in a grocery store. Like yeah. when we see birds, that is chaos. Even if we don't actually remember the event when we're having the bodily reaction of, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's like, we don't have to, every time we see a bird be like, ah, the grocery store. Oh no. Like, it's yeah. not like what's happening. Our brain is just like this immediate, like, Ding, ding, ding. It fires everything like it did in that moment when it was yeah. probably helpful to have all synapses firing in that way. Right. True. And so when we get more information, when we tell, tell our body and our mind that there are different ways to tolerate that. And I think the same thing with worthiness, right? I need to give my body information and my mind information that I am worthy. So I might journal about things that I value in myself, or I might do some mirror talking, or I might, Find some validation in some honest conversations with friends and be like, yo, why do you like me? <laughs> you know, like, oh, like, and, and, and Johnny made the most pitiful face, but like, <laughs> I think, do you get what I'm saying though? That there's like ways to treat these like sort of tangible phobia things and these underlying fears in similar ways, which is by naming, getting more information and then sitting with the distress enough that when it continues to happen or happens in a way that feels scary, we've already, in quotes, sort of dealt with it before. Hmm. What are you afraid of? Um, I mean, I've talked a lot about that. I think, um, you know, I have, um, I think a lot of people my age have the fear of the um, the log truck, you know, and it bouncing oh, and coming through the windshield. Yeah, I, I still literally hold that fear. Um, I mean, I used to be afraid of a lot. I, it was talking about um, a couple weeks ago when we were introducing horror. I mean, one of the reasons I started getting into horror was because I was afraid of a lot of things. Like I was afraid of the dark. 
I was afraid of noises. I was afraid of intruders. Like I just, I was afraid all the time for my soul, my safety, (laughs) you know, like whether it be demons or home invaders, like it was just, that's just what I feared. And also it was very big in the news. I feel like CSI was out and a lot of that was just like, who killed who on a random or like law and order. There's just like, you know what I mean? Um, But I think recognizing how afraid I was made me feel, I remember being a preteen and being afraid of a lot and feeling like this cannot be the way we live our whole lives. Like it cannot be this way because I'm going to, I don't know what, but not, not live a life that I want. Shawnee, have you ever had to like, had a fear that you've overcome something you used to be afraid of that you're not anymore. Mm. I don't know. Like a fear of. No, I never had a fear of flying. I mean, I still have a fear of heights that hasn't gone anywhere. Okay. I still have a fear of birds. I don't know. You're like that... humans belong on the ground. Humans, <laughs> yeah, and we should. Y'all be... sky people are stressful. <laughs> yeah, why are we up there? We don't need to be up there. And why are they down here? They need to go back up there. Um, I don't know. I'd have to think about those more. But I, I don't know. It's one of those things where I'm like, I'm sh- I sure I have beat fears of mine before. I guess what's interesting that I'm realizing is that like if it's happened, I've never like really acknowledged it or really been like, go me. Like, I don't hold that yeah. fear anymore. It's been such a, probably came and passed and yeah. now it's just a part of me. And yeah. I don't even think about it. Like, okay, sure. Being afraid of the dark. I think that as a kid, I genuinely was like, I need a nightlight. Like I don't, or of the door course. needs to be cracked a little bit or anything like that. Now I'm like, it needs to be complete, like pitch black. Ooh, right. Okay. Reminder. Um, it needs to be completely pitch black in the room and like maybe a little bit of white noise, but not too much. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, I mean, because you've had so many nights where you learned that the darkness was not scary, it was actually maybe even something comforting. And what that reminds me of is sometimes we're afraid of the thing that we need. Like sometimes we are so terrified of the thing that's actually going to make us feel fulfilled because we have a, a fear of being happy. <laughs> like we, we have a fear oh of like, I mean, that's real girl. I think that like, there's a lot of times when folks really self-sabotage to the point where it's like, you might literally be afraid of what happens when your life doesn't hold as much chaos as you've grown accustomed to. Like when you have a life of certain types of chaos and distress and anxiety. And there are moments of rest and calm and happiness and joy in a row, in a row, in a row, in a row. That shit can be scary. You're like, what the fuck is about to happen? Because this is not right. And I think like sometimes I I know I can attest to, and I think a lot of other people can attest to this. Like sometimes we make really big mistakes when we're young with people, especially and things because we're so afraid of a good thing. We're afraid of what it is like to experience love for the first time or experience success for the first time. Like thinking about a job position or, you know, whatever, like it takes a few times sometimes for some people of being in those spaces of stasis or of joy, whatever, just like placements in your life where you're like, this is actually okay to realize 
you can enjoy that girl. Like you can, you, did you know that you're supposed to enjoy it actually? Because like sometimes they come around so rarely. So why are you spending your whole time upset about whether or not it's going to go away? Just fucking have a good day. You know, like, you know, and I think like that is a fear that has to be kind of moved through. It doesn't change overnight. Hmm. Yeah, I definitely have experienced that before. Okay, so we've talked a little bit about fears that uh, maybe we've overcome, but is there any fear in your life that has like gotten worse as you've gotten older? Oh my goodness. Um, <clears throat> definitely like a fear of, It's. I feel like it's related, but like a fear of death, a fear of like aging, of, uh, like getting old. Um, which I think what does fear of death look like for you? Is it like literally being afraid to not exist like how does it show up for you uh-huh sometimes sometimes i it actually just happened the other day like if i smoke like too much weed <laughs> this is also where i know like my <laughs> limits with weed which is kind of like i should never get to this point but i just know when i've smoked too much weed for like a night because i'm just like oh we're getting like existential like we're getting like too existential like right now i'm actually like i start to physically like feel like not okay because not because of the weed but because i'm like starting to think about ceasing to exist and what that looks like and like did you, what happens did you see that Machine Gun Kelly and Megan Fox like week of them talking about their like weird crazy love. Anyway, you're talking about getting too high. All I could think about is Machine Gun <laughs> Kelly looking Megan Fox in the face and saying, I am weed and then them making out. There's also a portion where they were like talking about how one time they didn't kiss. They just like stood mouth to mouth and like breathed into each other they like fucking so fucking weird and it's I so weird it. I, I saw this tweet it. that was like this feels like someone who has never kissed before writing a fanfic about kissing <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> anyway what happens when you get too high um i don't know i think about death a lot and i feel like um honestly really good um sort of interpretation of where my head goes sometimes like midnight mass there was that episode where old dude and then girl who was pregnant and then like wasn't sorry spoiler alert um it's okay no one could understand who you're talking about basically based on that alone (laughs) cool great but you know (laughs) one girl with the hair and that guy yeah yeah. and they were (laughs) and they were singing they're talking remember they were talking anyways (laughs) They were talking and talking about like what um death is what like. death is like, right? Yeah. And there was a moment where he was just like he was going in with his very, very, very like pessimistic like view of death. And I was like, I shouldn't have smoked weed before I watched this episode. <laughs> uh-huh. but, okay, but I'm genuinely curious. Why did you find what he was offering as pessimistic? Um, it's just scary. I think it's scary not knowing that like there's a finality to it, that it's just like I mean, I thought it was really sweet and beautiful, the words that he was saying around, like, just, like, a huge um, DMT, like, rush and, like, yeah. it feeling like this just, like, wild dream where you're feeling everything, everything feels real, whatever, whatever, before mm-hmm. it all just goes, like, silent and dark. But it's that silent and dark part that comes after. I kind of touched on it a bit. It actually, I don't know if anybody took it as depressing, but, like, on my birthday when we were on the beach and there was just that void, like, there was, like, the stars and there were the waves, but in between the stars and the waves at night, there's just this black void where I'm just, like, it's so creepy to look at it, but I also, like, couldn't stop looking at it. It was, like, I, like, want to go into it, but also, like, that'd be, like, that's it. Like, there's just something 
mysterious about it that is also very scary because nobody knows what happens afterwards. And I think that that speaks towards this. A lot of people have a fear of the unknown. And maybe it's more of that than it is death itself, but it's, it's really just like not knowing. Like nobody can tell me what happens after death. And that's scary to me. Right. I mean, part of being human is creating reason, right? Like Mm -hmm. a a lot of therapy is reason making. A lot of uh, living in this world is science or religion. You know, I mean, I understand it's not just that binary, but it's like part of being a human is trying to create reason or meaning for what we see and what we experience. Mm -hmm. And when we don't even know what we're going to see or experience, That feels terrifying to us, but I think that terror truly can bring us closer to what it is to be human. Like whether that's like to live more fully or something like I, I think it's really important to sit with the idea of darkness because most of the universe is darkness. Most of the Mm -hmm. universe is just fucking space. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. like it's just, you know, and I think, that can feel so scary to recognize or feel like we are just that because then it's like, then who am I? And then that like (laughs) tumbles you down wherever. But I think, um, and a lot of people are going to find peace and wellness and, and answers in their own way as to like how to make that fear stop continuing to spiral because it is something that can really, it can send you on a thought that leads to a thought that leads to a thought. And those thoughts can get in quotes like darker and darker and darker. And that's easy to do when you're high, <laughs> but oh my God, I think, so easy. but I think like that feels like that, which is normal to be human, you know, but I think some people fear death in a different way. And that like, and that can be like in the way that like OCD kind of manifests of like, if I don't check on my, dogs in a certain way and for a certain amount of times we're all going to die like mm-hmm. it, it, like these are rational sort of jumps to death can be what is preventing folks from living life in a way that makes more sense is because the threat of death isn't actually there and at the same time they're not wrong it's always there the threat of death is always there you it's could just like there. slip on a pencil and hit your head and just yeah gone, you know? i think about it like, often yeah and I th- especially i think when you live alone it's like definitely something that comes up. I remember living alone for the first time and just holding like a moment where I was like, Oh, if this pasta gets me, it gets me, you know, it gets me, gets me. (laughs) that's just going to be it. What a way to fucking go. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I mean, I also think something that comes up is like a fear of like, you mentioned like aging and like, Mm -hmm. because we don't know, it's, I think it goes back to the fear of the unknown. We don't know what we're going to look like. We don't know what type of disability we're probably going to step into. We don't know what it's like to live with that which comes with aging. And coming to terms sometimes with vanity and like recognizing like, oh shit, I've held a lot of value in myself based on how I look and that is changing and mm-hmm. I don't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Botox. No, let me stop. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Did you know also Kyle Richards stopped getting Botox for like several months so that she could do the Halloween kills movie and emote in it. <laughs> um, there's, there's, there's a lot. I mean, a whole lot to unpack in that statement because one Kyle Richards is in that movie. Yes. Cause she was the original little girl. So Kyle Richards was 
the one of the ba- children being babysat in Halloween. What? Yeah, she was. A ch- is, she was also in Little House on the Prairie. What is time? Well, and why does I? Okay, we're gonna we're gonna sidebar about this because I'm not letting this okay. go. <laughs> um, well, I, th- I think like the point is in some ways. <sighs> There's lots of ways that we can kind of get over childhood fears, but then there's things that are going to come up as fears and be fears. We're, we might be afraid of something next year that we never thought we would be afraid of because why would we? But I think sometimes I think about too, like when you get into a relationship, you suddenly fear for that person's death or like that person's absence in like all of these random and wild ways. I think getting older is scary because we don't know what to do with it. Um, and part of a second phase of life is literally coming to terms and having some radical acceptance around the idea of like, this is just what is. And I think that's a lot of what getting to the root of some fear stuff is, is like just allowing it to be. Mm -hmm. We're afraid of it because we think we have some semblance of control of it. And like, no sweaty, nothing, Nothing. (laughs) no sweaty. There's nothing, nothing that we have control over. So it's like, it's about getting to this place of like, Literally, what good is the energy of being afraid or holding anxiety around it when, like, yeah, you know, it's gonna happen anyways? Yes, I think something to think about is just as we're exiting, maybe is like starting to notice and question what is my fear trying to tell me? What information does my fear have? And how do I sit with my fear, that darkness, that void, that space on a beach between the water and the dark sky? How do I sit with that and look into that and wonder and ask it what it's trying to tell me? Because there is something there. There's always something there. It may be something that we look at and are like, okay, I'm done looking at that. (laughs) I'm done now. But there also may be something that we look at that's like, oh, that's what I needed a long time ago. And I have the ability to give it to myself now. And it doesn't have to be something that we hold for the rest of our days. Beautiful. <laughs> no notes. Okay. Let's take a break <laughs> and take some meds. Welcome back to QBT. We're taking some meds. Um, my meds this week, I'm just going to jump right in. Do it. It's the laugh that I have had on this podcast today. And that is <laughs> no lie. Um, we've been goofy and kooky and between the, between recording during the pauses and breaks, just laughing it up. And thank you for this. I don't know. It's been fun. Thank you. It's almost like, you know, I enjoy you or something. Or something. I don't know. No, no, it's no, no, no. wild. What um, are your meds? My meds are, well, this week I told you I was going to go see Sleigh Bells. I did. Oh. Um, I, I, one of my fears sometimes is being really late to things. And I was very late to the show, <laughs> like so much so <laughs> that like, this was already, the set was very much like happening. Um, I don't know how much I missed, but I saw about 25 to 30 minutes of song material. So it was about five okay. or six songs, okay. about like five bucks a song is essentially what my ticket turned out to be. But um <laughs> The coolest part about it was seeing this venue that I just like hadn't been to in Austin. I hadn't, you know, in a city that's like known for live music. I have not been to places to check that out really. And I haven't Mm -hmm. obviously COVID, et cetera. Um, So that was cool. And I think part of that too, was really just getting connected to these new pals that are here and 
you know, the concert was short, but the night was long with some of these folks just because we talked really late into the night. And I felt, it felt like I was having and holding conversation with people that I've known for a while. And I had met them recently. And that was really warming to me. No, um, fuck that shit. Fuck <laughs> and that also, shit. New pals. New pals. New pals. Yeah, nah. you're gonna you, you can come beat him up. You can say, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. You are you are you Betty's new friends? Yeah. I didn't I don't think so. I don't think so. Let's go to the street right now. <laughs> um but another thing that happened, which was very strange and it happened on the same day, is two people from my past reached out to me very, very randomly. And I held certain anxieties around both of these folks for different reasons. And Almost immediately without prompting, they offered me like this, what I've been wanting to hear for three years or something. Like it was a very, very strange day of just like things from my past that I had been holding on to and holding unnecessary things about were coming back to me in a very caring way and a kind way that I was just like, this was not on my bingo card. <laughs> like I had no idea that I was ever going to hear from this person again. And it was very, it was strange, but um, I appreciated that happening. It was weird that it happened back to back. I was like, something's, am I going to die right now? Like, is this like yeah. some weird, like final thing? But anyway. A fear of, a fear of forgiveness. And not forgiveness, the other way around. Forgiving fear. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, do we have homework this week? No. Okay. We have homework um, next week. We do have homework next week. And an amazing, <laughs> honestly, it's such a cool conversation with Emma and Hannah from Monstrous Pim Films to close out our um, spooky, ooky, kooky uh, series. Let us know what you're thinking about this series. What were you going to say? I was going to say, can we rename the whole, the, this whole like topic, spooky, ooky, whatever spooky, all those kooky, words? Ooky. Yeah. Banana, banana, fofana. Um, let us know what meds you're taking. Let us know what horror you're into. Let us know what's been spooking you out. What are you afraid of? What are you mm-hmm. afraid of, darling? Um, DM us at QBTPod on Instagram and Twitter. You can also shoot us an email, QBTPodcast at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 971-220-8874. Don't forget to subscribe and share. And also, we have not had a five-star review in a minute. So <gasps> if you have been a long-time listener, just go on over to Apple Podcasts. Be like, you know what? These fine babes are worthy of that little five-star button. You know what? That's my fear. My fear is us not getting a five-star review. Please, please give us five stars. Please. please. What is that? Is Lil, uh, it's Lil Wayne and Nicki Minaj, five-star chick. Yeah. Yeah, good job. Yeah, I just, that popped into my head. Okay, thank you to Marquis and Charlie Darling for letting us use their music. Big, big thanks to Allie Giltz for um, tolerating us tonight. And thank you to <laughs> Carlos and Kiana for our digital footprint. We love you. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. 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 <laughs> mm-hmm. Trying to talk slick. All up in my ear and shit.